Welcome to a new episode of the India Independent Films Podcast. This is Rahul Desai, a uh, film critic for Film Companion. I have with me as usual Uday Bhatia, film critic for Mint. Uh, we are back and we are going to be speaking about two films today. One that we've been promising for the last few months because we didn't know when it would release, but it's finally re- released in theatres in India, which is uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, The Fablemans. And the second is uh, the new Amazon Prime um, web show called Farzi, again a Rajan DK series. So we're going to start off with uh, The Fablemans, uh, Spielberg's um, memoir, his personal essay of sorts. Um, Uday, few words about uh, Fablemans before we maybe also get into like our relationship with Spielberg. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I think... Um... It's pretty much Spielberg's own story uh, and he was, as has emerged now in interviews post the film, he was circling this material for a very long time, but he had to kind of build up himself to have the, um, I don't know, the fortitude to kind of address it. And that becomes starts becoming clear as the film goes on because... Uh, I At least I kind of went into it thinking that it might be this sort of nostalgic trip through his own moviedom and his discovering of movies and that stuff is there but it's also a a fairly unsparing and um, I would imagine a slightly upsetting uh, uh, a journey through his own past and his family's past and uh, it kind of uh, it's it's not the sort of uh, candy floss sort of film that you would think it would be like as in Spielberg can get uh, very um, touchy-feely in, in, in his even in his best films and you know he's a very unabashedly sentimental director mm. but this is not uh, uh, as sentimental a film as one might think it be actually it is startlingly unsentimental in in various parts and it not only is it unsentimental but it also argues that uh, Spielberg or uh, in the case of this film uh, uh, Sammy Fableman has to sort of um, uh, leave aside the sentiment of it all and uh, and take certain decisions that uh, are tough but need to be taken if you're going to be an artist. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's actually interesting because I, I found like obviously this is about his family. This is about his um, his childhood, his parents' divorce, um, and his and how it sort of um, went hand in hand with his growing love story with the movies. Uh, I, I found it interesting that you know that unsentimental thing that you're talking about because um, you know I found like the his his tone and his treatment was fairly Spielbergish in that sense. Like it was almost like he was inviting us into what we might imagine is sort of a greatest hits package of his life, right? Right. And yeah. uh, and that obviously would be in the language of his movies, which we've been seeing for like for the last 40, 50 years now. So I found like a lot of that treatment being some of it being sentimental, but I, I found that to be fitting very well with what he's trying to do. Because as you said, it's also also at odds with the story he's trying to tell. You go in thinking that, okay, we are going to see uh, the biography of one of the greatest filmmakers of our times. But what we see is a is a unflinchingly personal and a very difficult 
a story about a childhood that wasn't as um that wasn't as say eventful as we imagined it would be and it's more or less a normal story if you think about it it's just another dysfunctional family story the only difference is that what came out of the story is what we've been witnessing for the last five decades the the art that came out of it um right. so to see that in in that sense like the origin story of it all because i genuinely thought that we'd go well into like the early part of his filmmaking career you know like i thought we'd go up to jurassic park or something but i found it startling and very pleasantly surprising that it stops at the exact moment he uh, his career takes off you know as a kid um, yeah. as a young man and you know that lovely cameo uh, um, of you know david lynch playing tom uh, of john ford in john the ford, end yeah. um yeah i mean uh, you think that uh, a filmmaker would sort of mind more than that but i i i also understood that he's been we've been seeing flashes of his story in his films for years like catch me if you can is literally more of a um spielberg biography than this one is like you sure. see the exact same dysfunctional family and far more unsparing you know you could you could almost see a younger spielberg uh being a little brash about his about who he wants to blame in the marriage falling apart on the family falling apart and he he was a little more reckless in how he portrayed his mother and how he portrayed his father in that film and here you see age really softening it up it's interesting because i read somewhere that he was he had the story like 20 25 years ago when his sister came to him with it and he was ready to make it then but he was actually waiting he was worried as you said about the parents um sort of reacting to this and how the family might react to it because they are still alive so i think both of them are no more now which is why i think he is finally mustered up the courage to tell that story because he was worried that they would um they would feel really offended if they were alive it's um, so i i did uh, zero setting up of the actual plot of the film so i i <laughs> which i was supposed to do in the initial part so i'll i'll do that now so um uh basically uh, uh he uh, sammy is the only son of uh, of this couple uh, mitzi and bert fableman uh, and uh, he has two sisters at the start of the film and then there's another sister born so uh, four four children and um, paul dino plays bert he's a computer engineer and he's uh, sort of a, a genius at what he does uh and uh, a sort of early uh, pioneer of of uh, personal computing as in he sees the future as personal computing before it happens and but he has to deal with the frustrations that no one else can really see what he is but he is kind of a genius and uh, spielberg uh, i mean sorry <laughs> sammy's mother is uh, i'm going to do a lot of this uh, 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 sammy's mother is mitsi she's uh, a pianist uh there's an indication that she may not be quite as much of a genius at her field as um, as as bert might be in his but uh, she's uh, but there's also it's also true that she has not got, had the opportunity to pursue her craft uh, her art actually they uh, in the way that uh, bert has been able to do his it just helps that his passion which is machines and building stuff has uh, coincides with his life's work and it actually pays whereas hers is 
first to be like a full time mother and a homemaker and then to to uh, play the piano when she can but she's never really got the chance to do that and uh, both of them are very invested in 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 their son's uh, in, in their son's upbringing and when uh, sammy sort of gets uh, interested in movies uh, both of them sort of see themselves in him which is really interesting because uh, it's it's sort of um, Uh, 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 foreshadowed by the very first scene, which is when they're taking him to see the greatest show on earth, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the um, the Cecil B. DeMille movie, and uh, they're literally um, they're not really pulling him, but he's in two directions. Like they they he's looking up at them, and his dad is standing on one side, and his mother standing on one side, and his dad. tries to explain the physics of of uh, a film camera and what happens to the image and his mother uh, paints it as like this sort of overwhelming artistic experience and it's not a very subtle scene uh, but that's the whole movie in a nutshell right at the start that uh, sammy uh, has to kind of figure out a way to bring the uh, the science of of his father and the sort of chaos and the art of his mother together uh, in in sort of pursuing his uh, love for movies and uh, he'll bring both of them together when he becomes a director yeah i thought like so much of it was i mean so much of it depends on what our relationship with spielberg has been right like i mean um, yeah you watch most of you watch this film i mean it's more or less like if you look at it through the lens of any other perspective it is almost an ordinary film about um, a middle american childhood about a family that moves a lot about a wife about a mother who is resentful uh, who has problems who has who may be depressed a father who is a genius but who is very affectionate loving of the mother and a son who is having a problem dealing with this Uh, with the friction between the parents um it's it's just that and i i really was disarmed by how spielberg sort of told this story almost as if he doesn't expect us um to be uh, to have the context almost yeah. as if he, he he's basically he's basically making another film but um you know the subtext is that uh that we know while watching the film that this is who the man grew up into and the director uh-huh. is uh, uh basically making a film about himself and I, i think it takes like a lot of courage to do this in your at any point of in life but to do it in your in the twilight of your life and possibly your career at age 75 uh, to look back clear eyed um at things that may have been nagging at you for years for decades yeah. uh, obviously we've seen parts of it in films and it's never fully been resolved and artists do that they use their art to resolve a lot of their con- childhood conflict their parental um uh, their relationship with their parents and um i i found it really inspiring that you know after all these years he, he i almost saw a lot of those scenes from so many films we watched uh while growing up finally sort of distilled into very clear form saying this is what i was trying to say all along and i'm finally mature enough to say it and i'm finally uh maybe you know um ready to 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 get some sort of catharsis 
and uh, I, I love that even though he's been subconsciously i guess blaming one or the other of his parents in most of his films in in throughout his life there are very flawed family characters in his films um all the time and it's always about the child's wonder uh, right. it's no coincidence and and I, i just found it lovely that you can't really pick out a bad character in this film or or a negative character in this film there is nobody to blame except probably himself at some point because the last 10 minutes um is basically him coming to terms with the fact that uh, he's been put on a path that he probably part to greatness probably but it's also a path that will lead him to escape all the problems all the psychological problems of his childhood and and um, I, i found it very nice that the father and the mother were painted in very empathetic way of course the uncle had a storming cameo in this <laughs> which will which we'll talk about uh, um, in a bit and uh, i just wanted to because this film depends so much on on how we view the filmmaker himself um, how, what is your relationship with steven spielberg it's uh, i think as far back as i can remember i've been watching his films i think jurassic park must have been a very very early film for me in the theaters uh, i've i mean i i don't really i don't have that first film in a theater memory i don't know if you do uh but uh, jurassic park has to have been like one of the earliest for me and that was just i mean um it scared the hell out of me then but uh, it was also just that sense of wonder that you talked about it's just so clear like it's the anyone can get that that's the brilliant thing about spielberg that those just that that child's wonder and and those shots just shots of faces with like the eyes wide open is just like you can understand that without having any pretext any idea of what cinema is supposed to do that just makes perfect sense immediately and uh, i it's just uh, it's 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 difficult to kind of take apart one's relationship with spielberg because it is just cinema right like that is it's just been a constant and it's it's useful that he's been making films all our life and he's been uh, making good films all our life it's just uh, we've uh, surprisingly i think in the last few years there's been like a resurgence of spielberg love on uh, on film twitter uh, mm-hmm. to the extent that you know there are some very very vocal uh detractors if you say anything against spielberg um, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch because it's that wasn't quite his reputation like 10 years ago like it was he wasn't really seen as so serious i felt like that and i think the discourse has shifted a little because people are realizing that you know he's he's in the you know in the last films of his career and he's just i mean there is just what's there to complain about he's just been doing amazing stuff and um, one thing i'd say that you know i i in this like there were moments where and you mentioned in your review that you know uh, uh, there is uh, yeah there's a scene that reminds you a war on the war of the worlds when she goes out mm. in the tornado and takes the kids there and then there i was reminded by uh, the the actor that's playing the young sammy fableman like as as a kid he is reminding me of haley joel osment in uh, in in ai 
and uh, you know the 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 third sister the actor actress reminded me a little bit of uh, drew barrymore in in uh, et mm. and but i don't know if spielberg's doing all this deliberately or it's just that his films have sunk so deep into me that you know i am making these connections i i i it might be a little bit of both and i think that is um that's i guess that is this uh, wordless sort of thing about the, the, that's the beauty of this film in a very sort of muted way right like when you're watching it you don't really think it's anything great or it's something it's it's his career's best work or his life's best work but i feel like that film sort of transcends those um measuring scales uh, yeah. because of the way because of all these things like it, it sort of um puts our relationship with him in the limelight and that's a very rare thing to do and as you said you know it, you don't know whether it's subconscious or not and i think that's the that's the beauty of it uh, um, it's quite clear that he's been sort of um he's been dealing uh, he's been the purest definition of an artist for such a long time someone who's trying to uh, make a life make a different sort of life of wonder on the screen someone who's trying to escape his past but also acknowledge it and come to terms with it through his art and um, for me that i know it's a cliche but that is that is what artists are they may be tortured in their own ways but it depends on what it brings out of them and it, with spielberg we've seen that it's it's brought out the entire language of wonder and dreams and we've been seeing it for so long even my relationship started with jurassic park in the theater that's probably one of my first theatrical experiences and it's it's never really faded because he's been consistently there as you said he's been he's been a constant in our lives and uh, and you know it became fashionable to hate on him after a while once sort of the internet came into the uh picture and once you know social media started having opinions on everything but um but i feel like now he's more relevant than ever before um because because he's also been more versatile than ever before he's we know we sense that he's towards the end of a very uh, probably the greatest sort of film directing career of our times and um, and i think the film takes all of this into consideration not as nostalgia but as very uh, as very like clear eyed sort of um, almost like confrontation uh, a sort of confrontation with your own history with our history with him and um, and that got me a little emotional you know um, i watched it like two times and got me a little emotional by the second time because i i started to realize that this is so much more than it just is what we are seeing because we watched the documentary just recently right i think right. it's coming yeah. on in on hotstar or something and that was one of my favorite filmmaker documentaries in a while because again you know it's something so uh, close to us and and he pretty much the documentary does a far superior job of telling us exactly what drives spielberg and why he is the kind of filmmaker he is but the yeah. the the good part about this dramatization with this the fictional film here through the fablemans is is that um it really uses the language of subtext better than most other films or most other older filmmakers who are who are starting to make more intimate films about their lives as they end uh, you know as they reach the end of their lives because we've been seeing it right we've been we saw it we mentioned this earlier we saw it with scorsese we saw it with tarantino a bunch of other older filmmakers been making very intimate personal films and it's been really yeah. nice and disarming to see that 
and i think spielberg has you know climbed right up there um and basically said that you know his life is almost a part of cinematic history um without really saying it at all and and i find that really nice and and it's done in a very sort of in, in i felt like it was always done with a spielbergian sort of touch as you said you know there was that there were there was the corniness the sappiness of a lot of images a lot of dialogue in the beginning um uh, the way it shot that that glowiness about you know showing life in the 70s and 80s uh, or 60s i i just I, i thought it was very smartly done and um, it really gave us a very good idea of how um not just artists but human sort of uh, try to process their trauma or their sense of humanity as they grow up let's uh, touch on two characters who are uh, uh, mm. kind of set the film off in different directions and uh, uh, it's uh, and they kind of reveal the the surprising amount of conflict at the heart of of this film and then you know you have to wonder how much of that conflict kind of uh, uh fired spielberg into becoming what he was because you don't think of him as like the 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 conflict guy or the tormented guy you think of him as just like someone who was born to make films and is just better at it than anyone else but this kind of suggests that you know that it's the art came from a, a more tormented place than maybe he let on even though there were hints throughout his films now that we see uh so the first character is uh, is benny uh, who's bert's uh, best friend and coworker and who's also um uh, he's having an affair with uh, mitzi uh, sammy's mother and uh, they find this out um only gradually and there's a fantastic scene that comes like maybe a third of the way into the film maybe a little little further in which he's sort of sitting uh with this role of film and it becomes like a little investigation because yeah. suddenly he has all this raw footage and um he's not even seeing stuff we are actually seeing the affair even before sam sam is noticing uh the thing on film but something clicks and then he realizes that and uh, at that uh, from that point on then the film kind of turns because that then is the sort of secret ache at the heart of so many of his films then obviously the divorce comes much later in the film but the 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 fact of the affair and the fact that he he blames mitsi for a large uh, a large part of the film and uh, you know bert's uh, kind of like his his inability to be like this sort of um, the the kind of warm person that she is kind of sends him to her side initially but then the the uh, the fact of the affair repels him and but he can't find that comfort in his father because his father can't really relate in that way he's supportive but he's not the kind of warm embracing person that mitsi is and so it's sort of sam is is lost for a large part of the film and it becomes this sort of little bit of suspense that you know how does he put his life back together to become steven spielberg by the end and that's really interesting and and the other character uh, who 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 comes in and sort of shakes up the film in an 
absolutely weird uh, two scenes. There's not even more than that. It's, there's there's two scenes. Is uh, uh, this uncle of of Mitzi? N- no reference to him earlier in the film. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, his name is Boris. He comes in. He used to be a lion tamer. He used to work in early silent film, and he comes and he is um, initially this sort of Jewish, walking Jewish American cliche of, uh, and uh, you wonder that you know what's even going on here. It's 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 very interesting because John Ford turns up at the end of the film. This is like the kind of folksy weird John Ford humor that is there in his films it's a character that could have been in a John Ford film uh, and uh, but there's this insane scene with uh, Sammy and Boris alone in the room uh, uh, Rahul you want to uh, tell me what you made of that scene because you saw the film twice yeah. so I'm guessing that those were uh, you might have had different reactions to Boris once you knew what what was going to happen in that scene yeah I mean First of all, Jad Hirsch playing is like really a casting masterstroke. Uh, and as you said, you know, Jewish American cliche. And I thought, okay. Well, well, uh, we, we should say that both of us are very fond of him from uh, from Independence Day, yeah. uh, which is one of, uh, again, one of the early in theater films uh, for, for me at least. Yeah, yeah same here. And uh, that face is unforgettable. So I think it was really. Uh, very very smart it it immediately gave me flashbacks of independence day as well but uh, the it's just the, you know he's really playing an oracle of sorts here right like it's just the film is drifting in one direction spielberg uh, sorry sammy there i go again but uh, <laughs> sammy sort of uh, sort of almost given up on his filmmaking career because at that moment you mentioned that lovely little scene where he sees the footage of his mother with uh, with his husband's best friend, with Bert, uh, where he discovers their affair in the footage that he's editing. I felt like that's the moment where he, he was basically faced with the inevitability of not just being a filmmaker, but a storyteller. And, and that's where he realized that he can't just make films. He has to do far more than that. He has to basically... Um, tell stories in a way that will help him escape and confront his own pain, his own heartache, as you put it, uh, over yeah, the next... Because, uh, because he first tries to escape, right? Like the, yeah. the film that he puts together, the first one is the escape. Is the escape. And and that's the thing, because he's making westerns uh, for the longest part of the film, which is like as most teenagers would, because it was cool. And it was, it helps you experiment with the entire sort of craft of becoming a filmmaker, it's really funky and cool and it's DIY and you do it on your own. And those are the kind of films about films that we've grown up watching, right? Where kids learn how to sort of shoot a, a, a film or they learn how to handle the camera. They learn how to uh, ingeniously come up with ways to for production design. Those are the escapes for him. And I think towards the end of Fablemans, when he makes that that film for his class... Um, uh, and very, when he screens it, uh, when 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 it's screened on prom day, and just this is moments after he's broken up with the girl he's dating. Then um, I felt like that was basically him realizing, uh, you know, the gift and the curse of his, the power of his storytelling, and and you know what he might have for the rest of his life. Because in that film, I felt like that was him basically then confronting his uh, sort of talent and his gift and 
his sort of brokenness as a person as a kid who's gone through his parents divorce uh, basically realizing that now he has the power to present them in any light because he just presented his class bully uh, as a almost a superhero in that film that yeah. uh, that uh, sort of more or less can bend truth as he wants for the rest of his life so i thought that was obviously him confronting it so his uncle the 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 entire scene of jad hersh which is basically just one scene for which he's been nominated for an oscar and i feel like rightfully so because mm. that film really uh, that scene really sort of knocks the film into knocks not just sammy's um sammy's personality and his destiny into one direction but it knocks also the film from taking the very conventional route of becoming a film about a filmmaker because sammy is in no man's land then and he is decided to quit his art but his uncle comes and sort of literally you can feel this film him shaking the film awake also yeah. and you can feel uh, him not just shaking sammy awake and telling him that do not dare give up on your art because um, it's always going to be at odds with your family and uh, and that's such and those are i mean it it may sound easy to write these words but those are such you know those those are very very loaded words in context of what we know about spielberg's career uh, yeah. especially he, after all he these says years. you will make your movies you will do your art and you will remember how it hurt yeah is, and is, and, and jad hersh looks like he looks fit he looks sinewy he's talking that room like he mm-hmm. he looks like a physical presence also which is great like he doesn't look like a a grand uncle he looks like i mean he, he looks kind of scary in 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 the way that he just kind of jolts sammy into into accepting that he is not like a normal person he's not someone who you know will go and do the kind of office work or whatever that uh, or or even do something like his father uh, who's uh, who's very good at what he does but in the end you know it 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 is uh, it, it's not art and be sad, but uh, boris wants sammy to see that he is that sammy is like him and he's like his mother but his mother never got the opportunities and his mother's playing the piano as yeah. the scene is going on and it just sort of uh, it's it's great because it's just like by the end sammy's just shell shocked uh, and uh, it really shakes up the film and it's uh, at that point then it's on a trajectory yeah no I, and and you know as you said i i feel like if boris was a character in one of spielberg's early films he'd have been a creature you know and he he really have been one of those illuminating experiences that children have when they are young that set them on a certain trajectory and he comes out of nowhere and then disappears into that darkness it's one of those fantastical scenes that we often see in his movies while growing up and it could have been anything he could have been an extraterrestrial he could have been a dino could have been anything and and that's where the kid being shown the power of art and dreams and be, and also being told at the same time that it's going to hurt like hell i think it's it's great if you ever want to infuse hindsight into a film that you make about your life much later when you have that uh, when you almost have that sort of uh, look back that that power to look back on your life and say this is what i would have done and this is what i did um, it can often be damaging in biopics and in, and and in personal films where you then start making a film according to your future self according to how your future self thinks but if you right. ever want to infuse hindsight and retrospect this is i guess how you do it 
best because the words that his uncle says are so powerful and it's the writing that has really landed that nomination for Judd Hirsch because the way he says it of course is great the way he talks the room but um, it's really one of the it's really a cameo in a sense and it's one of the most uh, timely and almost amusing cameos I've seen in recent memory. And uh, yeah and and this film uh, an interesting thing if you're a sort of Spielberg uh, close viewer you'll realize that he's taken a writing credit on this film a co-writing credit with Tony Kushner Spielberg very, very, very rarely has writing credits on his films, which is not to say that he probably doesn't write some of them, but he rarely takes that credit. Uh, I think it's just Close Encounters, Poltergeist, uh, Artificial Intelligence and this one. That's mm. that's it, like in, in his in his whole feature career. And uh, it, it's a it's it's a it's a indication of how close this is to someone else that even though we might feel that, oh, there is a lot of, you know, Spielberg and Spielberg's parents' life in, in his other films, uh, he must have felt that, yes, this is something that's like too close to me to entirely give to someone else and that it 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 is obviously a wound that is not entirely or at least... Uh, a, a sort of psychological state that is not entirely addressed, which which probably is addressed now because there is a, a sort of uh, scenes through the film where uh, he actually gets to say, I forgive you to his mother. And it is, in a sense, a bit of an apology to his father also uh, because there are like a lot of deadbeat dads uh, and uh, in in Spielberg films, and uh, those are um, a lot of absent fathers and deadbeat dads, and this is a little bit of an apology for that because the father is like is steadfast. He cannot understand his son's obsession with movies the way Mitzi can, but he's still there, and at the end he's still there, and it's uh, it's in a way it's sort of like saying to both the parents that I understand both of you as you were and, and the reasons why you had to do what you did and it's a part of me. Yeah and, and that's evidence in how he presents uh, Bert right who is yeah. one of really the kindest characters in the film as well even though everyone's like really nice in their own ways and really like it's basically good adults having bad times and bad conflicts and it's just and and getting, you know, obviously getting Cytrogen to play Bert is very smart because you 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 never really, it's impossible to hate a Cytrogen character. He's just goofy. He's Benny. he's always likable. You Benny, almost Benny. never take him seriously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, Benny. And uh, Bert is the father. And yeah, coming to Bert as well because Paul Deno, I th- I f- it was a beautiful performance. Like I, I only realized it like towards the end of the film when, you know, when sort of younger Spielberg is, younger sort of Fableman is coming to terms with the fact that he he doesn't, he'll have to, he wants to work in a studio, he wants to make a career in the movies and the father and him reach sort of midway point towards the end and there's this lovely moment towards the end when, um, when they receive a photograph of the mother and they see her having a really good time at a barbecue with Benny who she's presumably married by then. And yeah. uh, and just Paul Dano's face then, which is such big heartbreak, but at the same time so much elegance in the way he handles that moment and feels terrible about it. And you see, um, and you see Sammy 
um, look at him or notice him in that way, which he may, which you sense that Spielberg himself, when he was younger, may not have done. He may not have noticed that moment, and that's why even you know when I was writing the piece, it reminded me so much about After Sun and the way you know sort of we. Uh, wrestle with our memories, and when we are actually addressing them later, how much of it is real and how much of it is not. And you Absolutely. you sense in this moment uh, that there are uh, there are there are certain expressions, there are certain lines being said in that scene that obviously the older Spielberg has put in uh, in a way almost to achieve catharsis with his father and basically empathize with the man who is probably uh, and you know extra context for all of us is in the documentary we found out that eventually spielberg's mother goes back to the father after a long time which i found really moving <laughs> uh, which you know which i'll never even when i watched it in the documentary i never really got over it because i i thought it was just one of the loveliest stories ever but this doesn't go into that which i found very very nice and clever to do because that would have been so easy to turn it into a just another film then this is this is spielberg's wound in it's most obvious form and this is him sort of coming to terms with how much he bled and I, I, I really, um, yeah, and the performances for me, I know Michelle Williams, is it's been a divisive sort of reaction to her as Mitzi, but I, I really thought it was, um, I, I, I can't think of a more appropriate actress to play that role. Um, I, uh, I'm a bit on the fence about Mitzi. Uh, <laughs> I... I think I might respond to it better in a second viewing of the film. Uh, the I I really did find myself very moved in the you know I was looking up some scenes before this today and the scenes where Paul Dano is earlier on in the film where we don't know that an affair is happening but Paul Dano uh, Bert probably does. The gentleness and the sadness of Paul Dano in those scenes is is extraordinary uh and you only kind of think of it in retrospect you know that sort of even with the, a very early scene where uh, benny is is goofing around on the at the dinner table and yeah. bert is trying to explain something about uh, computers and nobody's really listening to him uh, and mitzi's laughing at all of benny's jokes and paul dino just looks so sad and yeah. uh, it's it's extraordinary with in hindsight because you you also you kind of figure it out later, and um, I don't know it's a it's it's just I I found that a very moving performance and I I thought uh, Gabriel Lebel was excellent as Sammy Fableman. It's yeah. uh, it's not an easy job of course, and he's very funny I thought uh, especially when he's being bullied, but he sort of has this. He's kind of a Spielberg hero in a sense that he can't keep his mouth shut and he's really resourceful, but his, you know, he keeps talking and that gets him in trouble. He's, yeah, and uh, Gabriel Lebel does that really well, but he also uh, is smart enough to just start imitating the real Spielberg a little bit by the end of the film. And so we can see a little bit of like very young Stephen, like Jaws era, <laughs> dual era Stephen, uh, clean shaven Stephen Spielberg uh, in in uh, Sammy Fableman at that time. Yeah, he sort of reminded me of like at some points in the film here, it sort of reminded me of Kevin in The Wonder Years. Like there was a very Kevin vibe about him, uh, I, I think towards 
the second half of the film where he was obviously uh you know sort of struggling to fit in because they moved so much and you know he's dating uh, a sort of bible nut and at the same time he's sort of looking at his uh, parents uh, really quarrel with and and you know it was as you said you know that imitating came in uh, it sort of just it just sunk into the film uh, very subconsciously and i thought it was a very skillful performance i feel like it's been overlooked a little because of yeah. the adult performers in the film that are more famous and far more well known and they yeah. have made, like they have the the roles to make a difference but uh, yeah to play spielberg i mean no pressure and he really <laughs> nails it uh, he nails it especially in that last scene which could have gone wrong badly uh, when he's sort of facing his that high school bully of his in yeah. the in the corridors and I, i thought he was excellent in that scene you know oh and it's I such a good it. scene and it's just, <laughs> again he's so funny because he just wants to get out of there his girlfriend's <laughs> just broken up with him he thinks his life is going down the toilet we know that he's just taken his first step to becoming like an, a, a really really good director and it's and this <laughs> this is bully is just having his own sort of emotional turmoil <laughs> possibly the first emotional moment of his life and he just doesn't want to be there and it's it's such a such a brilliant scene yeah yeah no totally and and this is it's a very interesting uh of course it's been nominated for multiple oscars as we know uh, oddly enough it didn't do too well at the box office which is uh, not which is kind of surprising for a spielberg film but also not given that it is this spielberg film so i'm not yeah. really surprised at that but uh, it'll be very interesting to sort of look back on this film later after you know maybe spielberg sort of wraps his career or if you know whatever we, we know it's possibly one of his last films and last five films maybe because he is pretty prolific compared to the other <laughs> big filmmakers but uh, but you know i i it's really sunken into it's one of those films you know i the more i think about it the more i'm sort of getting out of it and the more i'm remembering moments just as spielberg might have remembered moments from his childhood and sort of almost coerced tony kushner tony kushner into sort of really putting it in some form because it's his life and it's it's amazing that he got a writer of that caliber no, to take no pressure on tony kushner <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like it's just uh, it's taking someone's life and writing his own personal essay. It's insane, and um, yeah, and and that's it's really uh, it's grown on me. It's lingered in my head for a while. This film, and uh, and I'm glad because you know Spielberg films, there's always something happening in most of them, and especially his films in the last ten or fifteen years. It's very versatile in that sense. But again, they've always looked like Spielberg films, and this one. is is a little different for obvious reasons and uh yeah so i'm glad we could you know finally talk about um that this film and the fable mans and it'll be interesting to maybe look back on it at the end of the year how we feel about the film uh but or even next month when you know i i have a feeling that he might just sort of land a few big awards at at the oscars not that it'll matter but uh, i'll be it'll, i'll be very interested to see how award season or academy the academy reacts to something as intimate as this from such a big filmmaker and i i'm always always i'm already seeing a bit of awkwardness in that sense because they don't know quite what to do with it or how to look at it right, so right. It'll, it'll be really interesting to see what happens next month um yeah, yeah anyway i think i think fablemans uh, that's it for now maybe down the line we'll talk about it a little more um 
there is no good segue into the next film. Uh, <laughs> as different as a uh, different can be. But we'll quickly talk about Farzi, which is the new Rajan DK Amazon Prime series. Uh, this is their first series after The Family Man 2. Um, they've directed, as we know, both of The Family Man seasons, which which are great in their own ways and which we've, we've all really uh, liked very much. We've spoken about it on this podcast as well. Uh, so, you know, I'm glad to be talking about Farzi today. Um, it stars Shahid Kapoor and Vijay Setupati. A very interesting choice of uh, uh, actors. And has a wonderful cast as usual. Um, were there a few lines about it before we go into it? Uh, since you're the the streaming guy out here, I think you should uh, do the honors here. I let's let's just uh, celebrate that I've actually watched a series at roughly the same time that you have, and that we can talk about it. Yeah, it's quite amazing. I, I was in I was I was quite in shock when I was watching the screeners, and you were messaging about details about a series that's yet to release. So I had to like do a double take then. <laughs> obviously, uh, yeah, you have your reasons. But um, yeah, um, so Farsi basically is uh, is very much a Rajan DK series in that sense. It's set almost entirely in, in uh, Mumbai. Uh, it stars Shahid Kapoor as this hustler and he's a very, um, he's a very cynical and bitter uh, sort of middle class artist who basically is great at making imitations. He's great at... Uh, uh, he's great at knocking off uh, copies. He's a street artist, and um, he's obviously um, his. He lives with his grandfather, who is played by the uh, who's played by the wonderful Amul Palekar, and his grandfather has a printing press called Kranti, which is not as subtle as it uh, wanted to be, and the printing press is in danger. So Shahid Kapoor decides to put his talent to proper use, which is basically counterfeiting money. He's an artist, so he actually does it manually. His best friend uh, is Bhuvan Arora as Feroz. And both of the, them basically start off small time by counterfeiting money uh, before they are obviously re- uh, catch the catch the eye of big time criminals. Like, And one of them is KK Menon, who's Mansoor Dalal, who's a, who's, a, who's a sort of kingpin and one of the biggest figures in the counterfeit sort of network across the world. They, they recruit uh, um, Sunny and um, his friend Feroz. And uh, all this while, as was the case, uh, uh, as is the case mostly with uh, the, you know, sort of criminal stories, we have a haunted cop on his uh, chase, uh, which is basically Vijay Setupati, who's the Tamil star, he's playing uh, a special task officer called Michael, very close to what Manoj Bajpayee did in The Family Man. There are connections, there's a shared universe as well, which I'm very much looking forward to more than more than probably the Pathan universe. Uh, but uh, yeah, Vijay Sudhupati plays Michael, who is basically his um, first after Mansoor. But because he's after Mansoor, he slowly starts to notice that there's a new artist in the business uh, who is Shahid Kapoor. There is also, uh, uh, with Vijay Sudhupati, he teams up with uh, a RBI officer who he recruits into his task force called Mega. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much what Farzi is. It's uh, around eight episodes. Um uh, it was for me. It was immensely entertaining. It was a blast. Also, it was very well done, very well researched. We'll get into the details of that. Uh, Uday, your first uh, sort of uh, reactions to Farzi? Uh, again, very. Uh, I was very, very entertained by it. Uh, I, I, I do like Family Man. I'm generally a fan of anything that Rajan DK do. 
uh, I think even their films that I don't think are successes have like a lot in them that I like and uh, the stuff that I do like a lot is just I mean some of my favorite films of the last 10 years so I'm Farzi again is uh, interesting to me because I feel like it has a lot of elements from different Raj and DK eras uh it has kind of like the rebellious spirit of 99 that sort of we will uh do something uh, uh like offbeat and do something like sort of uh, in uh, anti authority uh kind of brazenness but it also has a little bit of shore in the city's uh, sort of class comedy and this thing of like a very a uh, very persuasive portrait of uh, middle class bombay i thought which is also there in family man of course but uh, this was i think a little closer uh, to uh, to the streets and uh, some beautiful by the way uh, 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 cinematography by pankaj kumar uh, which was uh, very nice to see on a streaming series which uh, a lot of them are so well written so well acted etc but they look like socks so <laughs> this one uh, it, it was a pleasure to see and it, it was pankaj kumar in in a slightly more lush uh, form than i think he usually does like a little bit showier than his normal um, his normal style so it really looked beautiful it, it just looks like a million bucks so there was that and uh, I don't know. I, I just uh, I, I was very much in on it right from the start. Uh, I'd say that even the digressions in this work for me uh, a little better than they did in Family Man because Amazon does have that thing with these really long episode lengths. So there are going to be you know things that aren't driving the plot forward relentlessly. But it's just in even in Farsi, those little scenes are so much fun. like there's this uh, cop that megha gets in like the third or fourth episode to just help her like run down some some of her hunches and that guy is so funny and he is such a memorable character i think he's called shinde or something like that uh it's just a great uh, side character and like there's this ukrainian negotiator uh, fixer person who comes in like later uh, in a later episode and she is great too so i i i even liked it when it was sort of just like when when the writers are inventing stuff to uh, kind of get to the next scene and uh, sort of spend a little time i i always find it interesting with raj and dk shows like stories especially the ones based in bombay how they basically create such a sort of entertaining um like they merge very entertainingly they merge fiction and reality you know the bombay we know and the bombay we see in movies and shows and even the way they did a lot of that year you know with with that entire subplot about the ship which you're talking about the ukrainian fixer and the ship that basically uh, they abandon while trying to transport like thousands of like uh, millions of counterfeit uh during the smuggling they <laughs> sort of abandoned that scene it's so stupid it's great yeah it is so it's so ridiculous and they i feel like they really see the fact that you know life i mean most films don't have to try to be funny uh, most stories don't have to try to be funny all you have to do is just basically show life as is and there is more than enough humor in that there's more than enough 
situational and observational humor and all of that and i think nobody does it better then rajendra ke we saw it like in long form and family man we are seeing it here as well and that entire um, the entire ship subplot could have been so corny and so silly but the fact that you know those who live in bombay obviously realized that this actually happened 10 years ago and the ship just randomly turned up at juhu beach so uh, to to imagine that this is how uh they took something real and turn it into something chaotic but funny but serious at the same time is is really it's really interesting in the sense that you always think that they know more about these things that they present than we give them credit for there's a lot more research that goes into i think telling these stories making these shows than uh, we might give them credit for and i i think uh, farzi does it very well because obviously it deals with a with an industry we know very little about the uh, underground industry of counterfeiting and the even the the way you t- given that you talked about pankaj kumar cinematography um you know even the montages of how the money is made how he sort of hand paints it and how it goes from step to step which are such boring montages most of the time in most shows and stories it's it just here it was so interesting you can't take your eyes off it most of the time and it's not just because it was gimmicky or something it, it it wasn't visually extravagant or anything it was just very very well designed and very uh, sort of there was always something happening in most of the frames there was always something Absolutely. happening in most of the shots and i think that's the essence of what rajendra ke do so well even kk menon as a villain who's also funny without really realizing it you will never not take him seriously even though he bullshits around so much and even the little quirks they give him with his language and he wants to speak english but he can't really and uh, it, i find these things like that that entire their understanding of how life itself is a tragedy and comedy upon itself i i think nobody does it better in context of modern sort of hindi storytelling i have to say also uh, just a, a wonderful writing job by uh, of course raj dk and uh, sita menon who are the trio that have been writing their films right from the start and there's also suman kumar and there's also husain dalal on dialogue and yeah. i found it very amusing that husain dalal does uh, almost as atonement the honest version of the brahmastra scene where, <laughs> where ranveer and uh, alia meet he does the honest version of that out here in farzi <laughs> and it really plays well where she yeah. uh, she uh, this rich girlfriend that he has at the time turns up at his yeah. uh his neighborhood party uh, and uh, stands around uncomfortably for 5 minutes and then disappears because that is how that thing will play out in real life with this kind of couple <laughs> it's uh, and it's just uh, i i think usain dalal may have enjoyed maybe being able to do it away from like you know the pressures of actually writing the nonsense that was brahmastra and doing like the actual version of what would have happened yeah uh, but yeah but like excellent like the just you know about the montages and like the amount of information that they get in it's just yeah. it, it, at times it just reminded me of big short in the way that they just keep finding fun ways to package these large amounts of information and and a lot of research that has gone into counterfeiting 
like the actual making of the money, how it's tracked, how people try and sort of smuggle it into the country, how people try and prevent all this from happening. There's a tremendous amount of research that seems to have gone into this, but it's never dumped in just a plain manner. It is it's very far from a, a normal procedural. It really has this spirit of fun and they're really looking for like different ways to push in, you know, all, all the research that they've done. Yeah, that's that's pretty much why I think Fuzzy works so well and why Family Man works so well as well. Because beneath all the plot moving, the plot movement, the action, uh, you know, so much that's happening towards the end of the show, um, beneath this whole rags to riches thing and it's a story we've seen 100 times before Shahid Kapoor's character is not the first time we're seeing it it's, it's probably the biggest cliche in Bombay uh, cinema and it, it is uh, it's just the way they do the smaller things like you said the information in every frame the way they present it the way it's always um, you know the uh, for me I think some of the best scenes were obviously between Vijay Setupati's Michael and the minister and between Zakir Hussain uh, and Zakir Hussain, we've seen this doing this role hundred times, you know, even yes. in Sri Ram Raghun films for that matter, but never have we really taken notice until this series that, oh my God, he can be, uh, he can be really, really funny if you look at it from a different angle. And if yes. you look at the relationship they share, I thought it was so sly and so funny to sort of paint it as a, sort of naughty student teacher equation and and uh, almost like a errant father errant son equation and exactly. that too between a politician and between a task force officer and one is almost very jokingly blackmailing the other one is one is like a child always standing around asking for new things new toys <laughs> but the father is refusing to give it to him and it's just it's just done so beautifully it's it's i there was not one of their interactions i did not laugh out aloud at and it's it's really a sign of great writing. Of course, Hussain Dalal, we see the, the actual Hussain Dalal here, which is a great change from the nonsense he's been writing in mainstream Hindi cinema. Uh, but, uh, you know, so much of that, so much of that credit goes to the way these scenes are written and, of course, performed. And, of course, the way they really write in uh, Setupati's Hindi uh, and his basically him struggling as a Tamil person in Bombay and him trying to also basically communicate with the Delhi ministers which I thought was really a stroke of genius, uh, that relationship between them. I'm, I, you know, I'm, if I were Amazon, I'd be like really making memes out of those scenes by now, uh, instead of like concentrating on the more mainstream elements of the series. Yeah, it's and it's just, uh, there's, there's just so much little bit of commentary, you know, little bits of commentary, little nudges happening here and there. Like there's a lot to pick up if if you're looking for it like there's this there's a, at one point the, the the there's a subplot about a bugged phone and yeah. uh, in a different context in that episode someone mentions a trojan horse yeah. and it's uh, it's the it's not exactly there but anyone can put those two and two together very easily yeah. uh, and uh, it's uh, and there's just so many uh, uh, little um, uh, uh, examples of this. Uh, it's one thing uh, bugged me a little bit. Raj and DK uh, really are taking this pan-India thing through in a good way with, you know, Family Man and now with this. 
and uh, it it had actually started even in shore in the city which had uh, the i think sandeep kishan his name is who who played the cricketer in in that he was a telugu actor but uh, really with family man in this they they gotten you know actors from all across india and it's working really well i think they need to allow them to speak in other languages also it's this is a subtitle watching subtitle subtitle comfortable audience they are captive they are not going to run away if you have a couple of subtitle scenes i think yeah. like say michael and his wife speaking in hindi but uh, the point of it is lost on me if you have the actors may as well allow them to kind of continue in another language for more scenes which was there in family man season 2 to an extent yeah. i think uh, but uh, out here not enough of that it's not a huge quibble is just something that i think i mean they're already there i think they just need to trust that pan indianness more now that they've already mm. made the hard you know choices of bringing in the actors from everywhere uh, i think they yeah. could do more of that yeah that's true uh, i mean i felt that while watching it the first time at least michael michael scenes uh, in the beginning and and even though i get the whole subtext of you know setupati having to speak in hindi and then almost like slight tweeting the language the imposition in bombay the because he insists on speaking in very broken hindi but only knows the cuss words uh I, it's all very it's all very fun in that sense but yeah i'm i'm sure behind closed doors maybe the scenes with his son and because you know them sort of uh, and with his in-laws for for example there was more uh, of other languages which which i which i'm guessing will is something that uh, I, i think when that shared you spy universe starts or whatever it is uh, I, i think we might see a little more of that because we saw it in family man 2 as you mentioned because the uh, you know shrikant tiwari who's manohar bajpayee's character had to actually collaborate with forces uh, with the task forces from the south um, and the entire cultural um, the cultural gap was part of the joke and i guess that will happen when michael and shrikant maybe share uh, um, you know a narrative together but yeah i mean minor fibbles but in general i feel like um that commentary even that you mentioned i feel like was very potent here for those who are looking for it it's there like there's a lot of demonetization there's a lot of as you said the trojanos thing there's uh, there's uh, you know there's a bunch of um sort of references as to what might have happened how we look at the news and what might have happened behind closed doors how the media's relationship with politics with with sort of uh, with what we see on screen and how public dis- discourse is influenced by uh by news channels um yeah it, it's all there and i lo- love that raj and dk shows don't take that too seriously in the sense they no. they sort of dip it into you under in a trojan horse almost in that sense which is the look of the series which is the funniness of it all and if you look at it it's really not funny it's just how people communicate with each other in everyday language um even the chase sequences aren't trying to be that funny uh the 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 chases through bombay the the everything it's just it's very natural and to land these sort of this kind of humor without actually writing it in is a big deal and it's it's a it's an art lost upon a lot of mainstream filmmakers and i think they do it better than most and I, i'm glad that they picked up on long form uh so well compared to you know how hit and miss some of their films were and uh, because this really brings out the truest essence of their tone their language and 
their understanding of sort of this entire sort of cultural gap between hindi and the south and and of mainstream storytelling and i, I think uh, i think farzi is you know more evidence after family man that they are probably the best we have right now in terms of hindi long form storytelling i agree and it was all it seemed very inevitable that they would be the ones to take it forward i mean it 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 uh, no one could have predicted that family man would go on to be like a huge success and kind of fire off indian streaming then like to you know to greater heights than it was at when before family man turned up but uh, if you even if you look back to 99 and now you watch farzi they are very very much the same filmmakers their yeah. uh, their their style their uh, their kind of writing their uh, their editing uh, their outlook has not changed that much in these many years it's just that it it was a very very good fit just waiting for you know uh, for streaming and for long form storytelling to be able to happen and let's remember that farzi uh, started off as a film idea Uh, yeah. Before demonetization, it wasn't even a demonetization uh, uh, series. It yeah. was a film which they offered to Shahid, and Shahid said no. And maybe it would not have been that memorable a film. And uh, it just it was it was luck that it just waited and waited, and then now it it found the you know it it found its destiny uh, in 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 this series. uh also just a little bit on uh, bhuvan arora who plays feroz uh and he is just unbelievable he has got a lot of the i think a lot of the praise around the series a lot of the talk has centered around his performance and it's uh, very rightly so it's a fantastic performance and uh, again something that raj and dk do that they manage to find these bright funny uh smart actors uh, who people don't really know and they uh, you know they just uh, they match thing i mean sharib hashmi wasn't particularly well known before family man and uh, but they made him like the second lead and out here bhuvan is the second lead and uh, it's just uh, i think they trust uh, these actors and they just uh, allow them to sort of uh, shine and and that's what i'm so thankful to you know to streaming to long form television in general uh, too because you know so many of these actors would have just gotten lost and so much i mean we've had a casting casting revolution mainly because of the streaming space as well before anurag kashyap sort of set it off with his career in film career um, we needed something to sustain that and this space has basically brought out some, you know some of the actors the actresses we've been seeing for years in films but not really noticing like to say that this is bhuvan arora's breakout after he made his debut like 10 years ago which yeah. is quite something and that says so much about commercial hindi cinema and how it wastes actors in in pursuit of the star uh, sort of formula and uh, and it's very nice to see him as second lead and alongside Shahid Kapoor who's actually typified that illness of mainstream Hindi cinema for so long and it's very nice to see him also push himself outside its com- his comfort zone and actually use that that cockiness and that arrogance he often uses in a lot of his roles for no good reason it comes to it comes to something in this series it comes to something in this sort of and Rajan Dhawan always need that space that breathing space to let actors and characters and and stories and writing do their thing that eight episode format i think suits them far better than the feature film 
feature length format where we may not pick up on a lot of things or we may not see them realize uh, a lot of scenes realize their uh, their true worth because of the constraints of running time and i think the the entire point of their long form shows is not the plot not what happens not what they are saying about india or bombay not what not the entire commentary but it's about what they do in between the scenes that matter and in between the dialogues that are said you know the 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 gestures the body language the little sort of throwaway lines you hear a character say when he's off camera um the the sort of the smaller things the the nothingness in between what we actually see in films and i think that's what they are so good at and that's what this streaming space affords them the liberty to do and i think that's why we see actors like bhuvan arora even get these roles such significant roles uh and do so well at them because i've i've his face is not forgettable i've seen his face in a couple of films over the years and it's finally that we are actually recognizing him and i thought the casting was brilliant in this like yeah. uh, even having someone like amol palekar play um the sort of revolutionary journalist who never really gave up uh, i thought that was very nice not very subtle but very nice and very well executed it's uh, it's uh, there were, i i remembered him from shud desi romance uh, yeah. where bhuvan arora where he plays one of the friends of uh, yeah. uh, sushant singh uh in in that film and he i remember really liking him i did not note you know note his name at that time i i just said that i'm or maybe i did but i completely forgot his name and it's literally now that i am sort of again like as like i've seen this face somewhere and i remembered should they see romance and it like that long ago like literally like 11 years back Yeah. Uh, that and it does say something like we do kind of lazily say that yeah there was a casting revolution in in uh, in hindi cinema around the time of wasepur and it's true to an extent but we forget how many uh spaces are taken up by people who are quote unquote stars and are just like really bad at what they do and so many places that could go to really deserving actors who need to just hang around and wait for this one chance and then completely nail it and uh, obviously it's it's much it's it's good if like someone like rajan dk can give you the kind of platform to say that you're not only like just a side character you're literally like a series like a second lead and you know you will have all these scenes and all that which is a huge sort of vote of confidence uh it's nice to see that go that role going to like a person who people would say who is this guy you know who who doesn't who isn't really known yeah and i think parji that's pretty much its biggest strength because we all the roles that we are seeing in this show uh, played by actors um you know like the hero's best friend bhuvan arora he's done it before by um kk manan playing the villain he's done this exact same role 100 times right. before um same with you know zakir hussain the, the entire essence of arzi is that we've seen them all before but yet it looks so new and fresh in this series why does it still look different despite the fact that these actors have played these roles before and how good are rajan dk as directors to present them in a different context but as people we recognize from the past and i think that's that's really a skill very underrated skill and i think they've consistently done it because even shareb ashmi had done it before family man uh, yeah. and it's just 
it's picking up on those things presenting something that's old even in terms of storytelling and plot and then presenting it in a way that keeps you consistently hooked and engaged because you think that oh we've not seen kk manan for a while and it's so good to see him back but he's done this role many times before it's just that he's he's particularly memorable here and because yeah. of the little things that he does because of the kind of character that's written for him and uh, because we've also you know missed him sort of being directed by good directors and uh, yeah. uh, that's that's the story right like all of these actors are around and they've been waiting for the longest time but we see them in rubbish films most of the time you can't give them credit for that uh, and of course they have to pay that you know they are, they have to earn their money and when you finally see them in shows like this doing the same thing in a different way you have to give them credit for hanging around and still being as relevant as they once were and i think raj and dk along with a bunch of other long form directors who've really taken it to the next level in the last few years especially amazon prime the stuff they've been uh, churning out um I, i think you know it's it's very good if there's one thing we don't lack it's acting talent in this country because especially because of how many countries there are in one country and uh, and i think uh, i hope to see a lot more of uh, you know long form rajan dk over the years because of course they've set up a universe i, I don't expect them to obviously um, you know milk it till there's nothing left but there's so much more to come and there's so many more uh, there's so much more to say about the india we live in and i think they are the smartest start saying things without really uh, people who are capable of being offended picking up on them and i think they did it very nicely in this as well yeah it's it's going to be interesting going forward because they have not only now two running series with family man and farzi but they have other series uh, in the pipeline some of which they're writing and directing some of which they're just writing and uh, it's uh, at some point they're going to have to start farming this out and uh, when that happens then you know you you lose your control over it inevitably and uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether as as things kind of become a little more like a larger enterprise uh, and they're in not like a homegrown thing whether it will still seem as uh, as typical of them as farzi uh, does it's yeah. um, i i think maybe like 3 or 4 years down the line might be an interesting point to revisit what we think of rajan dk at, at this particular moment yeah absolutely and but uh, you have to say directing 3 seasons i mean basically two shows and three seasons in the last 3 years is quite some i mean there's being prolific and there's being good and there's being both of them at once and they've really they i mean i've been rewatching family man lately and just for the heck of it and oh man mm. they've just, they've really figured it out in in that sense and um, it's not easy directing three seasons in three years and that too with the pandemic and what not so you know like props to them for that and of course they've all set it all up and as you said it'll be a good time to take stock a couple of years later when we are uh we have a sort of you know bigger zoom out of their legacy as such as uh, as show runners and as series storytellers but yeah i'm always up for a rajan dk film at the same time so it'll be interesting to see how they've evolved as in that medium as well and i'm sure there will be some down the line because i don't think they were particularly keen to make show after show and i think uh, film is always going to be in the pipeline so so yeah that's uh, the is there anything else you'd like to add about first 
No, I mean, it's just uh, I've uh, <laughs> I, I look forward to revisiting it again. I just kind of yeah. finished watching it and it's just uh, it it was it was so much fun. And uh, it's just it's, it's such a blast. And it's 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 nice to see people who are in command of of storytelling and uh, but are also just like having a lot of fun. It's it's not a combination that you get often. Like sometimes, like the you know the really good storytellers are are not having that much fun, but they're like you know, but they're still churning out worthy stuff. And this is like just a their whole career. They've kind of been like these people who will make these really fun films, but will also do it well. And I I think this is like kind of sort of a summation of what they've done till now, all in 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 one in one series. Yeah, that's uh, well said, and uh, it's pretty much accumulation of their career so far. So yeah, um, if you haven't watched Fuzzy, do watch it. It's very entertaining. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, do also try to watch Fablemans before the Oscars. It'll be great fun then. Uh, and uh, and yeah, that's about it for us this week. Uh, we talked about Fablemans and Fuzzy. Do write into us if you have any recommendations, suggestions, or if you just want to give feedback, uh, rahulnoles at gmail.com, bhatia.ud at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be back soon. March is a packed month. It's also the Oscars, so we may just be back discussing at least some of our favorite categories. Um, so yeah, um, see you next time and stay safe.